This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And thank you for joining us right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. You can find us on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. You can find us on Facebook by searching Right Now with Jim Dawes. We're on YouTube, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Blueberry, all over your favorite podcast directories. If you'd like to communicate with me, you can uh, leave a call. We might use it on the air at 772-245-0750. That's 772 772- Two four five zero seven fifty. That's the call-in line. It's not a live call-in line, but you can leave your message there with a question or a comment, and we might use it on one of our future programs. Well, obviously, the top uh, news today is the massacre at the uh, the two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. A terrible uh, loss of life. I think there was an, an additional forty uh, congregants of those two mosques. Um, who were wounded. The uh, early reports are that this was carried out by an Australian citizen that uh, had been radicalized um, on the right wing uh, and had actually reportedly been in contact with that, uh, that shooter over in Norway that, uh, that shot up that island of uh, um, the, uh, the left-wing youth uh, camp out there. But uh, it is a terrible and, uh, and shameful thing to happen, um, although I will have to say that it is not unpredictable, and I predict that uh, we will see more of this in the future. Uh, despite the fact that our uh, elite leaders keep telling us that uh, you know diversity is our strength and that multicultural uh, is, uh, is the wave of the future, uh, history tells us otherwise. There's never been a multicultural civilization in the history of the world uh, that hasn't devolved into a conflict and ultimately war and disintegrated. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can look at, um, well, most recently, Yugoslavia and uh, Kosovo, Serbia, and uh, and all of that, where the Soviet Union uh, used its strong-arm tactics after World War II and tried to come in and forge um, a multicultural alliance with Christians and Muslims. And, of course, uh, it just uh, it, it resulted in, predictably, uh, warfare and, um, and ultimately disintegration. And uh, we've got a history of, of that in the West now as we've allowed large uh, numbers of uh, Muslims to immigrate uh, into our nations uh, and bring with them a uh, tradition and a religion that are totally at odds with Western values and 
and culture. Um, up until now, most of the conflict has been uh, from the Muslims toward the West. Uh, but as uh, the friction continues to grow, I predict you'll see more of these uh, these awful tragedies like we've seen in um, in Christchurch, New Zealand. I was surprised that uh, we haven't seen more of them until now, especially in light of the uh, the grooming gangs that are going on over in England, uh, where uh, these uh, Pakistani uh, gangs are basically um, prostituting. Uh, thousands of uh, young underage British girls, and in uh, declaring you know such disrespect for uh, for their Christian um, hosts. But uh, I'm going to uh, reserve any further comment on it because it's uh, it's a developing situation, and to tell you the truth, I'm not that familiar with uh, with the cultural climate over there in New Zealand. I know the shooter has uh, been identified as Australian and a right winger. And um, and that's about as much as I know of it uh, till now. But uh, we've really got to, you know, the reason, the whole reason uh, that uh, nations developed in our history is so that people with different uh, values, cultures, and religions could live peacefully in their own countries. And I'm not at all convinced, or I should say that I'm rather unconvinced, uh, that uh, that wasn't the way to uh, to have a peaceful and prosperous uh, uh, civilization. So uh, the other big news, of course, is uh, old Beto O'Rourke, Beta Beto, I like to call him, has announced for presidency. And uh, he's getting a lot of pushback already from his own Democrat Party, who has, uh, has made it pretty clear in most of the left-wing salons of the Democrat Party that they're not much interested in nominating another white male uh, now and maybe never. Uh, but Beto has determined that he was born for this. And uh, after going on a, a Jack Kerouac kind of uh, road trip to, to search his soul, has determined that he was born for this and he is the right man for the job. Here's, here's a, a clip from his very first campaign event out in Keokuk, Iowa, uh, sort of telling you his rationale for running, if you can make sense of it. My kids, you know, Ulysses, who in 2050 is going to be just about my age, is going to be looking back on this moment in 2019 in Keokuk and every moment thereafter to judge what we did or what we failed to do. Because his kids will be thinking about all of us. His kids' life, whether they can even breathe, is dependent on what we do right now. So some will criticize the Green New Deal for being too bold or being unmanageable. But I tell you what, I haven't seen anything better that addresses this singular crisis that we face, a crisis that could, at its worst, lead to extinction. So that the Green New Deal does that, that it ties it to the economy and acknowledges that all of these things are interconnected. That also recognizes that some communities have borne the brunt of pollution more than others right now. The asthma deaths that we have in the United States of America concentrated in some neighborhoods, some people more than others. It wants to make sure that we do our in making this more equitable, in helping those communities that have already been hurt so badly. 
Well, it may be that the asthma deaths are uh, concentrated in those communities because the smoking rates in those communities far exceed uh, that of other communities. But the larger point here is that Beto O'Rourke has tied his campaign's rationale to support of the lunatic, crazy fringe Green New Deal advanced by Ocasio-Cortez. And uh, he, you heard there at the end of that, he, uh, he also touched on the economic portions of the Green New Deal, uh, one of which requires uh, that we provide a guaranteed minimum income for those unable or unwilling to work. So Beto's gone all in on the Green New Deal, and uh, basically he's, he's adopted the mantle of, um, of Ocasio-Cortez uh, and is going to carry that banner into the presidency. Despite all that, of course, the, um, the left wing in the party, uh, as I say, is not at all interested in, uh, in promoting a, a white male candidate, especially not one uh, of, of Beto, Beto Beto's uh, pedigree. He's worth, um, you know, he's a multi-multi-millionaire who married into money, and uh, he's, uh, he's escaped accountability for criminal violations, uh, apparently based on his connections, and, uh, and used his place on the El Paso City Council to, uh, to forward uh, sweetheart deals for his father-in-law, who's a, a real estate developer, uh, that resulted in the demolition of uh, poor Hispanic communities to make way uh, through eminent domain for these projects. Um, there's a young lady named Malika. I can't remember her last name over on CNN. And here's what she had to say about uh, how Obeto is going to be received. Can I just say one thing, though, uh, about what's bothering me about this isn't so much about what he's doing. It's what the, the media is doing. So the fact that he gets this Vanity Fair cover and I, and I feel like, you know, he is getting kind of this special treatment that's not proportionate to what he's done. He, he's had a big accomplishment, but so did Stacey Abrams. Yep. Um, you know, and as, as mm-hmm. you know, was just pointed out, there are a lot of other candidates who've accomplished a lot. Like, it's not clear to me why he's on the cover of Vanity Fair and Kamala Harris isn't. <laughs> well, the implication there is that he's on the cover of Vanity Fair because he, like John Edwards, the last uh, Kennedy-esque candidate that they tried to anoint uh, at Vanity Fair, is a, is a white male the, to carry their banner. Uh, and Stacey Abrams certainly is not a white male, and nor is Kamala Harris or these others. i got to disagree with Malika when she says that, uh, uh, that Beto has accomplishments. He basically has uh, no accomplishments. Um, and uh, at a, a recent press event, Nancy Pelosi was asked exactly what did Beto uh, accomplish in his three terms in the House of Representatives. What, in your view, was Beto O'Rourke's signature accomplishment as a member of the House? <laughs> Beto was, was brought a great deal of ideas. Did you catch the giggles uh, when they asked that question? Everybody's quite aware of what a, uh, a, a hollow man Beto is. Vitality to the Congress. One of the issues in his, as I haven't been asked this question, but I just know of his record here. Uh, when he came, he came as a real champion for uh, the, the environment. Uh, he got a great deal of support from the environmental community in his district. He won in a primary on that subject. And it also, he's a member of the Armed Services Committee. Uh, 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 
strong member of the Armed Services Committee, which is very important for this district. So in uh, preserving our planet and protecting our people, there are at least two areas in addition to his vitality in so many other ways. <laughs> well, he's, he's protecting our planet and keeping us from becoming extinct. Other than that, I can't think of any uh, accomplishments uh, except for his vitality. And he certainly does have a lot of vitality. If you've watched this guy, he he looks like um, sort of a, a teenage, and sounds like, sort of a teenage cheerleader uh, with wild hand gestures and sort of speaking extemporaneously about, uh, you know, sort of uh, sophistry and, and and nothing that you could really pin him down on or nail to the wall. He's just, uh, you know, basically trying to uh, uh, to rally people. Um President Trump had a, a very keen observation uh, when asked about Beto's announcement. Well, I think he's got a lot of hand movement. I've never seen so much hand movement. I said, is he crazy or is that just the way he acts? So uh, I've never seen hand movement. I watched him a little while this morning doing, I assume it was some kind of a news conference. Uh, and I've actually never seen anything quite like it. Study it. I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, is he crazy or is that just the way he acts? I think uh, I think there's a little bit of both. Uh, it's worked for him up until now, you know, uh, not having any actual um, uh, programs that uh, that are, are going to move things forward. And that's why he's latched on to to uh, AO, uh, AOC's uh, Green New Deal uh, as the rationale for his candidacy. The guy that actually wrote the Vanity Fair, uh, Fair piece uh had this to say about uh you know what uh what was the reason for beto running question is what is how is he going to be uh politically defined how will he define himself and he is sort of undefined right now he's like a charisma candidate right and uh i think that the grassroots and the democratic party want some of that charisma but they also want somebody who's got some meat on his bones and we have to find out what that is if we want somebody with meat on his bones, and, and we got to find out what that is. So, you got a, a three-term congressman from Texas who lost in his uh, one and only statewide election, and uh, and he's going to run for president. And the, the truth of the matter is, uh, there's going to be a, a you know not very much appetite for another white uh, male on the presidential ticket, uh, and uh, and he and Joe Biden are going to be uh, splitting the people who uh, are willing to to uh, support a white male. That's not a communist, by the way. I mean, Bernie's going to get his support from the old uh, red diaper doper babies uh, and then the working class uh, who uh, are bearing this uh, undeserved allegiance to the Democrat Party are going to be uh, splitting their votes between old Uncle Joe and, uh, and the, the snot-nosed kid from uh, El Paso that uh, basically uh, had everything handed to him on a silver platter. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch. If you ever saw that uh, uh, that movie, um, the uh, Halloween Before Christmas, I can't remember what it is, but uh, that, that skinny pumpkin head figure in there, that's exactly what Beto O'Rourke looks like, and I don't think he's going to wear too well over the long run. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. 
Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Well, you may be aware that uh, a radical judge out in uh, California, of course, has put a, a nationwide uh, injunction on the Commerce Department, including a question on the upcoming 2020 census about citizenship. Now, this uh, this question doesn't ask if you're in the country illegally. It simply asks if you're uh, an American citizen or not. And the reason that the left wing and the Democrats are all exercised about this, of course, is because um, it is being used uh, to... Uh, increase the representation of these sanctuary cities and states at the expense of uh, American citizens. And that is because uh, apportionment, the number of representatives you have in Congress, is based on the census. Now, um, as a result of that, these these states like California, Illinois, and New York that offer sanctuary are able to inflate uh, the number of people they have in their congressional districts uh, at and get greater representation in Congress, which is in effect, not in effect, is in fact disenfranchising American citizens all throughout this country. If, if only citizens were uh, represented in Congress uh, from California, they would probably have between five and eight fewer Democrat seats in Congress, uh, or California would have five to eight fewer seats in Congress, period. And almost all of them, of course, are, uh, are from um, California or are from the Democrats. So here is um, disgraced New York Attorney General, former New York Attorney General Snyderman, <clears throat> telling you exactly uh, why the states have filed a suit against, including. Uh, a, uh, a question on citizenship on the 2020 census. I'm in front of Federal Hall here in Lower Manhattan. This is the site at the founding of the United States where Congress authorized the first national census. Uh, as required by Article I of the Constitution, every 10 years, the federal government has to conduct a full and fair count of all people in the country, citizens and non-citizens alike. Uh, the census count is essential for congress- determining congressional representation, for determining how federal funds are allocated to state and local governments. Very important for basic functions of government. And up until now, uh, Republicans and Democrats alike have tried to conduct as full and fair account as possible. The Trump administration is breaking with that tradition. They are now trying to put into the census a question requiring people to tell what their immigration status is, if they're citizens or not. Well, what you just heard there from former disgraced Attorney General um, Snyderman is an outright bold-faced lie. Uh, Citizenship questions were included on uh, the census up until uh, the 1970s. And even then, after that, uh, they were included on subsequent uh, census uh, forms. It is absolutely uh, legal and proper to include those questions so that we can know uh, how many people in our country are, in fact, citizens and how many are not, and make a decision as a, as a people through our elected representatives whether we want the votes of legal citizens 
uh, diminished and disenfranchised because of the, the uh, policies that uh, are encouraging illegal immigration in these uh, solidly Democrat states. Kiris Kobach's the best uh, spokesperson on, uh, on issues of immigration, why he's not in charge of the Department of Homeland Security. I will never know uh, why the people in Kansas missed the opportunity to elect him governor. I can't understand either. But uh, here's what Chris Kobach had to say on exactly the game the, the Democrats are playing with regard to the, the census. There are a million reasons why. The first and foremost is that any sovereign nation needs to know how many citizens it has. Uh, the second is that all kinds of statistics require us, like unemployment statistics, knowing how many of the people in the United States are citizens and how many are non-citizens, meaning aliens, right. both legal and illegal. We have to know that. Uh, and then apportionment. If Congress decides, as it should, to stop counting illegal aliens, we need to know exactly how many are in each category. I mean, it's absurd that states like California have an inflated number of representatives in Congress because they have so many illegal aliens. And so, you know, there's so many reasons. But let me just quickly respond to your previous guest. I couldn't stop laughing. His notion that it's unconstitutional to count citizens, ask people if they're citizens or not. Look, we started doing this in the 1820 census. The founding fathers were still alive in 1820. If it was unconstitutional to ask, are you a citizen, they would have said, hey, don't ask the citizenship question. That's unconstitutional. The second thing is the Supreme Court ruled in 1964 in Westbury versus Sanders that diluting the votes of U.S. citizens, which is what happens when you count the illegal aliens in a district, that is unconstitutional. So it's, it's I wonder, though, I, I wonder if conservatives make a mistake in having constitutional arguments with people who think the Constitution is fundamentally illegitimate because it was written by slave owners in the first place. I mean, this really has nothing to do well, with the Constitution. <laughs> I doubt Javier Becerra is, knows what's in the Constitution. He doesn't care. This is all sophism. It's demagoguery designed to take power from people they don't think should have it. Voters. Don't you think? Well, I... Yeah, I, I think so. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, look, it's all about power. That's why the left is apoplectic about the notion that we would be counting citizens again, like we've right. done through most of our country's history, because they they see that this potentially could threaten the inflated number of congressional seats. But again, the Trump administration can't do it unilaterally. It would take an act of Congress next to say, OK, uh, apportionment should not count illegal aliens. But we should have done that decades ago. But we certainly should have done it decades ago. What he's saying there is that. Um, Right now, it's perfectly legal to count uh, illegal uh, aliens toward apportionment. Uh, and uh, once the American people really understand that and that enters into um, their consciousness, uh, that is going to be something that's going to be hard to defend in the, uh, in the House of Representatives in the U.S. Senate. So um, first and foremost, we need to know how many of these, uh, these congressional seats are being um, apportioned as a result of these huge numbers of illegal aliens that New York, Illinois, and uh, uh, California have encouraged through their sanctuary city policies. So uh, another um, prime uh, example of how the ruling elite uh, are determined to ignore the will of the people <clears throat> is, of course, what's been going on uh, over there in the United Kingdom where the Brexit um, vote the referendum that was held over two years ago now and has been um, drug out and, uh, and stymied at every turn by uh, the ruling elite uh, who are you know, absolutely committed to this multicultural destruction of the West. 
Um, the latest event, um, development in that regard is that, um, you know, uh, Theresa May has been attempting to negotiate some sort of uh, deal that will allow them to uh, exit the EU with certain guarantees and trade guarantees and such. And the EU is uh, determined to make it as hard for them as uh, as humanly possible. Here's what uh, one of the UKIP representatives out of Wales, Neil Hamilton, had to say about uh, the developments over there and how uh, Theresa May and the ruler ruling elite out there are uh, basically betraying the voters in their desire, their stated desire in the referendum to uh, to regain their sovereignty and leave the EU. Well, Theresa May is off on her travels again. Tonight, apparently, she's planning to go to Strasbourg for the latest exercise in personal humiliation, going cap in hand to our masters in the EU. I would pay the price of her ticket myself, if only it was a one-way ticket. We certainly don't want her back. She is, I think, an outrage. The person who is supposed to be leading this country is leading us to destruction. And who are the people that she's going to to negotiate with, to ask for more favours. Well, we've got the likes of Mr Herman Van Rompuy. Remember him? He was the last president of the EU Commission who said the other day about us, we have them, their backs to the wall, facing the abyss, with a knife at their throat. We are almost there. And Monsieur Barnier, the EU's negotiator, who said two years ago that he would know that he'd done his job well if, at the end of the day, the deal for Britain was so bad that we would want to stay. And then we've got Mr Juncker, who said there can be no democratic choice against the European treaties. The people must not prevail. I think it's an insult to our country with its long, proud history that we have a person so unbelievably inadequate as Theresa May at the moment occupying that great office of state. Well, it certainly is. And uh, and what they're trying to do is uh, through political um, maneuvering and deception, uh, deny the will of the people and uh, and and uh, leave the EU. They originally uh, set a two-year schedule. That uh, that deadline is here now, uh, but they can't get the MPs in the House of Parliament to pull the trigger and uh, and step out of the EU. They they're insisting that they must have some sort of acquiescence and approval of the EU when they need neither. All they need to do is uh, step out of the EU. Put uh, some customs barriers, uh, as you would at, at, at uh, any uh, national uh, border in in Europe uh, on on Northern Ireland, and uh, and uh, and leave the European Union. Of course, the opponents of Brexit are predicting calamity and anarchy and uh, uh, blood in the streets if uh, if this goes through. Uh, every one of their other predictions regarding uh, Brexit has, uh, you know, their dire apocalyptic predictions has absolutely failed to materialize. And these will as well. The British people are perfectly capable of taking care of themselves and they will continue to do so. Um, but uh, they're being uh, told that they have to hold a second referendum on, uh, on Brexit uh, to try to reverse the first one. And uh, if they do that. Uh, the the British people are going to uh, revolt, uh, and there there really will be uh, chaos and anarchy in in the United Kingdom. Here's what uh, the real 
heart of this problem is all about. This is a, a former MP, Jacob Reese Moog. What a name uh, on, uh, on the real problem with uh, trying to or Britain trying to leave the EU. The problem is a different one, that we have an historic disconnection between the House of Commons and the electorate. 52% of the voters voted to leave, but in the House of Commons, probably 500 out of 650 MPs supported Remain. And this disconnect is actually quite troubling for our politics, because the House of Commons is ignoring the majority of the British people. Well, welcome to our world. You know, um, the... The people, the voters in the United States elected Donald Trump and the establishment in Washington has mobilized and spent the last two years uh, trying to deny him uh, the ability to deliver on the agenda that he promised when he was elected. And the most recent uh, manifestation of that, of course, is the uh, the Senate uh, voting to support Nancy Pelosi's um, re- resolution to try to block Donald Trump's emergency declaration to build a wall on the border. And uh, most shamefully, 12 Republicans joined in uh, uh, Pelosi's um, dishonest uh, characterization as as, uh, this being somehow unconstitutional to try to block uh, the president. This is not unconstitutional. I'm certainly not a constitutional scholar, but it's uh, plain on its uh, face that this is simply exercising powers that the Congress has uh, delegated to the executive branch in the 1976 Emergency Powers Declaration and the 1981 uh, Military Construction Bill that uh, authorizes both of the president's actions. Now, uh, the courts could possibly rule that that law that Congress passed is in fact itself unconstitutional, but uh, the this Congress... If they believe that it's unconstitutional and uh, and they uh, don't want the president using it, it as this president is, they should bring forward uh, a new law revoking the president's uh, emergency powers authority and this uh, this 1981 law that allowed him to uh, um, redirect military construction funds already allocated and uh, and be done with it. But Nancy Pelosi is not out to address any sort of constitutional concerns. What she's trying to do desperately is to keep this president from building the wall on the southern border because uh, the Democrats want to transform this nation into a, uh, a polyglot, uh, third-world-type um, uh, nation where uh, you know socialism can uh, ultimately prevail, and, that's, and they're well on their way to doing that. Uh, Rand Paul... Mike Lee, uh, Lamar Alexander, all of these other conservatives that uh, that that allowed themselves to be bamboozled by this claim that this was some sort of um, con- uh, constitutional issue ought to be ashamed. Um, especially Rand Paul. I understand Rand Paul's devotion to the Constitution. Uh, if he believed that the law was unconstitutional, he should have said so. What he said was that the president was violating the Constitution by invoking the law, which is absurd. If that were the case, then the president wouldn't be uh, that these uh, all of these authorities that the Congress has delegated to the executive branch would be unconstitutional in themselves. And of course, uh, nobody in Congress is making that claim. Well, I want to take you out on a story uh, from Montgomery, Alabama, where the Southern Poverty Law Center 
has uh, has fired without explanation the founder of the group, um, Morris Dees. Uh, it's being said that Morris Dees has been engaged in a long pattern of uh, sexual harassment there at the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, but he has been forced out, and uh, and with that his uh, over half a million dollar a year salary um, he has lost. Uh, we'll look for the coming days uh, for exactly you know uh, exactly why Morris Dees has been uh, has been fired, but uh, I want to remind you exactly the uh, the really evil work that the Southern Poverty Law Center has been engaged in uh, these last many years by uh, using their their past uh, mission of uh, morphing that into its its new practice of trying to uh, smear anybody who disagrees with the left wing agenda. So I'm going to play you a clip here. This is uh, sort of a long clip uh, from Prager University uh, telling you how exactly the SPLC goes about conducting their uh, their smear campaigns. Originally founded as a civil rights law firm in 1971, the SPLC reinvented itself in the mid-80s as a political attack group. Every year now, it produces a new list of people and charities it claims are extremists and haters. Aided by glowing coverage from the establishment media, the SPLC's hate list has become a weapon for taking individuals and groups they disagree with and tarring them with ugly associations. The SPLC employs a two-pronged strategy. First, find a handful of crazies with barely any followers, no address, and no staff, and blow them up into a dangerous movement. Proof that there are neo-Nazis lurking everywhere. On their notorious hate map, the SPLC lists 917 separate hate groups in the U.S. No one has even heard of more than a handful of them. The second strategy of the SPLC is to undermine legitimate political voices that they oppose by associating them with extremists like the KKK. Take the charity known as the Alliance Defending Freedom. The SPLC lists them as a hate group. Is that fair? Well, the ADF has a network of 3,000 attorneys from all across the U.S. who've donated more than a million volunteer hours in defense of religious liberty. They've had a role in 49 victories at the U.S. Supreme Court. Putting the Alliance Defending Freedom on a list with 130 Ku Klux Klan chapters is not only wrong, it's malicious. According to the SPLC, one of the most influential social scientists in the U.S., Charles Murray, is a, quote, white nationalist. Ayan Hirsi Ali, perhaps the most eloquent spokesperson for the rights of Muslim women, is to the SPLC a toxic anti-Muslim extremist. Scores of other individuals and charities active in mainstream conservative or religious causes have likewise been branded by the Southern Poverty Law Center as threats to society. I can tell you what I believe is going on over there at the SPLC. This is a money uh, uh, power grab. Uh, the SPLC has, uh, its endowment is now worth over a half a billion dollars on top of the exorbitant salaries that its uh, board of directors and, uh, and uh, partners make. And, uh, and when there's this much uh, money at stake, you can bet that the politics, inner office politics, is going to be cutthroat. But, um, you know, I, I, I can only laugh because again and again and again, these, uh, these leftists who are supposed to have these, um, you know, be virtuous and, uh, and constantly being lecturing um, the rest of us 
on how immoral we are turn out to uh, have feet of clay. Um, and that, that was the case with uh, Harvey Weinstein and uh, Charlie Rose and uh, just a whole host of, uh, of other, you know, left-wing um, Democrats who, who turned out to be uh, uh, closet sexual harassers and, uh, and date rapers. So I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, look forward to hearing more about exactly what uh, Morris Dees is accused of there at the uh, opulent headquarters of the SPLC in, in Montgomery, Alabama. And, uh, and, as, uh, and we'll bring that to you as we learn it. Well, that's about all. If you like this show, please like, comment, and share. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. And, uh, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. As I said at the top of the program, if you'd like to leave a, a call with a question or comment that uh, we'll use on the air, you can reach us at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. We're going to take you out again uh, with a little call, uh, a song called Forget About It. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.